and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Ryan. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. So uh, today, we are talking about, this is a multi-listener uh, request over um, a period of time. Um, and it and just also, recently last week. So just yes, just as, as recently as last brought week. Brought it yeah. back to the fore. <laughs> That's right. So, and it also touches on a uh, a lifelong project uh, for you and you who like. Uh, this has happened a couple times in this podcast where you've mentioned like uh, projects you have in the work and like we, in, you know, th- that are coming out and like we talk all the time and I'm still surprised how much stuff that you're putting out there and working on and so yeah, for there to be a project that there is not. Um, you know, a physical, uh, even like a, a first book of is I to me I think significant. So uh, which means that, that this is how I would interpret it. That's very very close, and you want to get this right. So uh, this episode, as you can tell from the title, is about psychoanalysis and existentialism. So um, Todd, how did you get here as like being interested in this topic? Obviously, we're doing this because listener request, but also long standing interest from you. You know, it's a kind of an uninteresting story because I. I uh, had the typical teen existential crisis, and I read <laughs> Sartre and Camus, you know, and it was, and that's that was sort of the thing for me. And I always tried to integrate mm-hmm. everything else I read from undergrad to graduate school into this existential crisis slash project. So, for me, and for me, actually, that's why I was initially not taken by psychoanalysis because I think it, uh-huh. I felt like it avoided the existential question or the existential prod, the questions that surround existential and our existentialism and our existence. And, and so I was, it was until, that's why it wasn't until I read Sublime Object of Ideology that I'm like, wait a minute, uh, the things that Sartre is concerned about and this, that really is what Freud and Lacan are concerned about. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so for me, I guess the link between existentialism and psychoanalysis was present from the moment I read Slavoj, and that's and so it was not about bringing existentialism into psychoanalysis for me. Got it. It was about bringing psychoanalysis into existentialism because that's what I was really concerned about. And it's odd that I'm we're just getting ready to do the lack four and like mm. I'm, I'm so like psychoanalysis is absolutely crucial to what I do and everything I think about. But it's, that was not the ground. Like by the time even I was late in graduate school, mm. I was still like thinking of myself as fundamentally an existentialist thinker. And I, w- I mean, clearly I wouldn't have had any, many friends that way, you know, like, like if I tried to set up a, if we tried to set up a group, what it would even be called? I mean, existence or something. I don't know. But <laughs> in existence, uh, I don't know. Yeah. In existence or yeah. something. Yeah. But we wouldn't have like lack. We have all these people that that come, and I don't think if we did it around existentialism, all those people would come. But for me, that was the primary. That was the thing. Mm. So mm-hmm. that's the long and the short of it. Well, that's interesting because, and I think that. Um, I know this from like emails that I've I've gotten from uh, from from listeners that like I think it's important uh, to hear that like y- your um, your intellectual history was not like laser focused and that's how you got to, to where you are, but that it was actually late in your own like formal education that you came to the kinds of questions that you that you really wanted to work through. Because I, I, I think I don't know, just for me, I remember b- being like in. 
just I remember being an undergrad wasn't that long ago and and just thinking that like anybody who had anything to say about anything must have been doing it for like all of their entire life and they knew from right, right. in the beginning and because I didn't know that yeah. I could never get there because it was impossible but I don't know I just I think that's it's so intimidating it is so intimidating but I think that's important yeah. to put that out there that like um you know it's 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 really like it's really the charting of a um it's the charting of an ex- uh, I was going to say existential history, which is the kind of a funny slip, but I was uh, intellectual history. That is the uh, most important thing. And like finding the, the questions that you want to work with, I think. And yeah, I think that's really true. Yeah. Like, is, aren't you really defined? You're, I think, and this is, an, I think an existentialist point that your existence is defined by the questions that you struggle with your mm-hmm. whole life. And I think that the, I, but you're right. You might not even know that you've been struggling with them or right. you might not know what consciously what they are until much later. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess for me, that was so that idea of existence, like the questions of existence was really crucial. And then I, I never, I just was always dismissive of Freud because I thought he's trying to explain those questions rather than really delving into them and, and, and giving them all their proper weight. And he's just, he just thinks like, oh, you can explain everything by this, um, you know, by some kind of Oedipal right trajectory of desire and, and i also felt like he yeah go ahead. no no i was gonna say that, that one of the questions that we went through in the defending freud uh, podcast is like that's one of the basic oh he just explains everything with sex all right, that, yeah. that, that's it yeah. it's all there's no there's no questions it just explains everything when you know of course we talk about how the opposite is true but i think that's great that like that um that I mean, it's so so pervasive that uh, that reading of Freud that like you know you you yourself were uh, had to push through that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I didn't. Well, what I didn't understand, I think, is that sex itself is a question, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's an existential question, mm-hmm. I think, and that's what I didn't I didn't quite get. But I, anyway, I I found that I, I think that that move that the the attempt to link up psychoanalysis and existentialism is so important because I think a lot of people um, come to psychoanalysis with existential problems or yeah, questions. I think that's you true. Know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that like, well, because and so this this will uh, be kind of the end of the like intro of of this episode, and then we'll we'll go into starting to ask like you know what are the questions and what are the problems and what are the the flashpoints between the the two bodies of thought. But I think this is like a really important point to kind of nail down is that like the, the that when I think when folks are attracted to psychoanalysis, it's because they can see that it's interested in asking uh, questions that do not fall along uh, nature culture lines like that's it correct and, yeah, and I, I think that's a really good point yeah and 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 that i i definitely think is where you see some overlap in the venn diagram circle between existentialism and psychoanalysis is the is the interest in pushing beyond uh you know again the biological and just the uh the the, the cultural uh as, as an answer for something but let's uh, so anyway so that's it so that's so let's, let's put that as like um as a fundamental point of um of potential integration, but where where do we see disintegration? So disintegration, interesting. So Lacan actually... No, you have to start talking about the cure. Sorry, continue. 
I'm talking about the cure. Yeah, disintegration. That's what, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, did that too, I did that too quickly. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that was really good. That was really good. Sorry. I, I you heard you, you heard psychoanalytic cure. cure. That's yeah, really really yeah, funny. Yeah, oh yeah, my god. Well, yeah, you know, Todd. Yeah. Sometimes we transcend our, even ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, really, <laughs> that's really good. So so I think that the so the first real public mention. So Lacan and Sartre knew each other, and Lacan and Camus knew each other. So that's the first thing. Mm. But but they weren't that none of them were friends. Sartre and Camus were friends for <laughs> for, a, for a bit. Um, but then in the Mirror Sage essay, so it's forty nine. Mm-hmm. Lacan writes this. You know, he 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 gets to the end of it, and he talks about the role of neg- neg- negativity mm-hmm. in the formation of subjectivity, and then he says, um, and then he says something like, um, he talks, he mentions in passing existentialism or something attributed to them and and, thing, and then he says for a body of thought um, oh no sorry so he says unfortunately this philosophy and he's referring back to existentialism he says mm-hmm. unfortunately this philosophy grasps that negativity which he's been talking about before only within the limits of a self-sufficiency of consciousness so I think that's mm-hmm. and then he goes on to mm-hmm. say this is one an illusion of autonomy that puts its faith in the ego's uh, that puts its faith in the ego. And so I think his, hmm. in a certain way, he's thinking of the mirror stage as a riposte to Sartre, right? Like as a as a critique of Sartrean hmm. existentialism. So Sartre's written Being a Nothingness in 43, and it's a huge sensation. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's a huge, everybody reads it. It's like a book everybody, not everybody reads it, it's 800 pages, but everybody has it. <laughs> right. Or at least they know of it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's infinite jest, right? Like everybody's got a copy. They, everybody's got yeah, a copy, yeah. no one reads it. But, yeah. mm-hmm. but although they, he does, he gives a little lecture called Existentialism is a Humanism in 1945, and mm-hmm. I, a lot of people, and then that got published. Mm-hmm. And it's like forty pages, so it's it's very accessible. So even if people didn't read the big book, they mm-hmm. knew it through mm-hmm. the little, uh-huh. the little abridged version. And then, and so I think, sorry, I think that was smart on his part. Re- I mean, he probably was really think, good. Yeah, I didn't think of it in like a, a marketing from a philosophy standpoint, but um, that's anyway. I just think that that's good. That's like a, Eddie and Balabar has this really nice small book, The Philosophy of Marx. And I just yeah, think it's, just more people should do that. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. It's the way to go. You know, no, it's and Agamben. You know, oh, he yeah. really he's really mastered the idea of marketing little books. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I think it's I think it's not wrong to think of him as thinking about marketing questions because mm-hmm. I you know mm-hmm. why not? I mean, I think that's probably what. But I I think this idea that Lacan is really targeting Sartre in that in that. At the end of the mirror stage essay, it's absolutely it seems absolutely true, mm. and I mm-hmm. think he it's really the crux of this point of disagreement. That is, can are we fundamentally be conscious beings? Right, like it does consciousness define us, mm-hmm. or are we riven by the unconscious and thus desiring beings who can't who, whose desire is constantly undermining what we consciously wish? Right, mm-hmm. so I think that's the like in that little bit. Of mirror stage, you get the fundamental conflict between the two. Yeah, and it's confirmed in being in nothingness when there's that section, right? Well, is is it just called existential psychoanalysis? I think it's just called existential psychoanalysis. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, sorry. <clears throat> and um, what Sartre uh, writes about, he says, uh, <clears throat> "Sorry, I need to do that again." Um, he he has this phrase. Uh, he says empirical psychoanalysis because he's right. uh, which is, a, is a, I think a really 
um, when you want to set up, like, when you want to set up your own thing, like you're saying that the thing itself needs to be called something else, right? Like that's, I, I, yeah. I think is what he's doing. That it's not, yeah. it's not psychoanalysis anymore. He's calling it empirical psychoanalysis. And he just, um, deep into his 800 page book, he just lays it out that like the hypothesis of the existence of the unconscious psyche is like, is a, is a problem because it, like he, he doesn't abide by the idea that like, you know, the, the, there can be a principle that escape is, is what he says, escapes the intuition of the subject. Existential psychoanalysis rejects the hypothesis of the unconscious. It makes the psychic act coextensive with consciousness. And so like, that's just um, like he, he, he lays it out there um, right in uh, 1943. As, as right. you said. Yeah. Because he thinks that the idea of the unconscious is logically contradictory. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's his idea. So that so that that how could you ever be aware of something that you're not aware of? Like, that's yeah, his, yeah, that's his point. Well, that's I mean, that's really interesting, because when when you freight when you when you put it that way, right, like it seems like, oh, yeah, of course. But that's not make sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's it's like um, it's actually. Oh, th- and this is interesting. Th- does this not alert us to the um, like the unwillingness perhaps to delve into contradiction and, and at, 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 at like a very fundamental level. Yeah, I for, think so. And also, sort, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's right. Like the way in which unconscious emerges at a point of contradiction in the psyche, but also mm-hmm. don't you think that he doesn't understand the way that we're, for, we're first and foremost mediated beings by the other i mean that seems to me that's what that's like yeah because freud's point is you're not aware of it and you can't just become aware of it you Mm -hmm. only become aware of it when you make a slip when you're talking to someone else Mm -hmm. or you in your act you make it evident because you've done something to someone else yeah Mm -hmm. that you didn't mean to do right so that's i think that that's what he doesn't understand is that the, the mediation of the other has to be there from the beginning, which then produces contradiction, mm-hmm. which is the basic contradiction of the psyche that is both conscious and unconscious at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I would say, I mean, and I think, um, I think you would you would know better on this point, but I, I do think that it is a a move that you see Sartre go to, which is that like what we need to where we need to go to is the elimination of contradiction. I'm thinking of. Um, his view of seriality for, I mean, right. Cause that, that's, that's, that's my thing that he, he just very, very briefly, uh, a seriality for Sartre is, a, um, a line of people waiting for a bus. That's a series. Right. Uh, and that they are the only thing that links them is the, uh, superficial, uh, nature of capital nature. Right. Um, and th- that they, because they all have to go to work or, or go someplace or, or like do whatever, um, that, this um, structure that is imposed upon them uh, keeps them meaningfully apart. Like there, there's, there, there's, there's no possible for a, a, a um, what's his, what's his phrase? It's, it's, um, it's, it's a little uh, clunky. Group infusion, I think. Yes, the group infusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The group infusion, which w- would liberate everyone and to, to seize on the meaningful uh, connection between people and to, to reject the, uh, like, seriality imposed the by... The series, the group in a series. Exactly, the group in the series. And so the only... Uh, so, okay. So again, where, and you know, again, is my interest in, in Lacan, like Lacan does this again in, in the Perlian letter, um, seminar. And I think, and he references it again in, in, in seminar 20, um, about how the, there is, there are rules 
that emerge out of the, not like out of as though it's the first primary thing. I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying that, but like there is a, there is a real, there is a, there is a, there's a gap that, that, that links us a void if, if, if you like. And it is through there that the order emerges. It's not this top down thing that comes from any like outside source, but that even within um, a grouping of people that you could argue is grouped by capital, there is still something within that group that escapes right. uh, qualification and classification. And that's right. the difference between Lacan and Sartre on the issue of the, the series and the, and the serial. And it, I think it again goes back to this, this exact thing, which is the unconscious that like the, that being ordered by um, something that, like again, the, the I think one of Lacan's vexing phrases that we should probably talk about is like uh, knowledge and the real, right? Like I think this yeah. is a little bit a little bit like that. Like it's it, it and, and this is the territory to which Sartre does not move toward. And I get it, you know, like it makes it makes sense. Like it's, it it uh, it makes sense to um, want to explain phenomenon through that which is disavowed by the um, empirically verifiable, which is kind of funny why he calls psychoanalysis empirical as a, as a way to... And it's a, it's a slam. Yeah, as a way to disregard it. But it's... it's yeah. yeah, but it is this um, this rejection of the of the unconscious. And for Lacan, I mean, specifically, it would be a rejection of the of the real and, and um, a... I don't know. I think favoring just like a favoring a different set of questions that lead to um, a rejection of contradiction rather than an embrace of it, which is right. what I think I, what yeah. you see in psychoanalysis. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right that he's trying to, he, the movement of thought for Sartre is about overcoming contradiction. Whereas I think that's, you know, what I would say too, that what links psychoanalysis and German idealism or Hegel is this precisely this in seeing the necessity of the contradiction rather than, and seeing the reconciliation with that necessity as the, as the end point rather than the overcoming of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's, I think that's huge. And I think that the, un, if you ever, whenever you introduce the unconscious, it's going to, it's going to make contradiction be intractable. Like mm -hmm. you're never going to be able to overcome it. So I think that's a huge that's a huge point. I mean, I, I do think that it's it's interesting that Sartre nonetheless feels compelled to create an existential psychoanalysis, mm -hmm, or mm -hmm, to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like the penultimate, I think, chapter or section of yeah of being a nothingness, right? So it's at the end, but it's it. Does, I mean, he so he does feel, and he wrote a screenplay <laughs> about Freud's life called Freud, and it it ended up not really being part of the final version. John Huston made a film of it. Um, but it was loosely his screenplay. I think like five minutes of it saved was saved into the final mm. film. But and it's published. You can read the screenplay uh, in a book form. But um, so he'd had this re immense respect for Freud, mm -hmm. and I think he likes the idea of you know the whole notion of an existential psychoanalysis is uncovering the project that you, this is the big thing for him. The project mm -hmm. that you have, yeah, um, that 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 defines your existence. And so, you know, the notion of freedom for him is not necessarily the freedom to, as you're walking down the street to turn left or right, it's the freedom of the project. So mm -hmm. like, that's where it matters. Like you get to choose your existential project. And I think one way psychoanalysis is helpful for him is it's, it, 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 it looks for the way in which that project slants 
everything about your life. Like mm-hmm. why, like why are you, why are you doing this rather than doing that? You know, there's so there's mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ways in which there's it's important for him, but I think he can't get he can't get to the idea that that project is he needs it to be conscious rather than unconscious. When I don't understand, to me, I guess once I once I once you bring psychoanalysis to bear on on existentialism, I don't think you can think of the project as, it's hard to think of it as conscious, right? Like, isn't yeah, that what... That's the, that's the flashpoint. It's the flashpoint. It's kind yeah. of exciting, actually, to mm-hmm. think, look, my life, and I think this is maybe why people even go to psychoanalysis or even go into therapy, maybe, as such, like, that my life has been defined by some kind of unconscious project, mm-hmm. and I want to try to get some, get some purchase on it. Yeah, you want to arrest and that's what I'm doing. When, of the maybe control sliding, yeah, 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 yeah. Some kind of way to to or to maybe to reconcile myself mm-hmm. with it, mm-hmm. I guess. Even because, I mean, Sartre's idea was you can change your unconscious project. Or sorry, oh, <laughs> it was funny. unconscious. Yeah, um, that you could change your project at mm-hmm. any time. So, like, I could have my project could be. I don't know what I could have be. My project could be how can I conform to whatever the society demands at all times, mm-hmm. and then. A certain moment comes up, like I, uh, you know, like the Germans invade France, and I have to. I'm com- I have this point where I can either join the resistance or I can join. Right. I can just agree to be part of the Vichy mm-hmm. uh, capitulation to Germany, and then that's this moment where I can, even though I've been a cowardly conformist my whole life, I can then become a courageous resistor, right? Mm-hmm. And that's. I think that I like that. I wonder. Do you think that that notion of an openness mm-hmm. at any moment that I could change, like if the project is unconscious, would you think? Do you think you still have that openness to go in the other direction? Because I think that's crucial for existentialism, and I think that's probably why Sartre wouldn't like that idea of an unconscious project. Well, I, I think I think that don't you have to adhere to the in conceiving an answer to this question? Don't you have to adhere to the idea that like. Th- to some certain principles of the unconscious and it's like relentless capacity to like undermine and lo- like, Correct. you know, this, this great, yes. great phrase from Freud that the, the unconscious does not know. No. Right. Um, so, so it's, it's, um, you, which it sounds to me like Sartre's idea is very much a yes idea. And that yeah. the the struggle with the with, with the unconscious would just be this this thing that tells you uh, no uh, here <laughs> um, I'm gonna make you aware of, I'm gonna make you aware through a slip of something that is going to in a heated conversation defeat your entire point like that's right. the, you know like that's what's gonna that's right. what the unconscious does um, and uh, you know uh, and I, yeah I, I don't think that's so you yeah. don't think it's possible to have a moment of like. So what do, what do you make of that person? Like, clearly you accept people exist like that, right? Like, yeah. the whole life has been defined by conformism. Mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they get to this moment when they can go one way or the other, mm-hmm. and they, they make the courageous choice. Like, sure. You, ex- you certainly accept that people... <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not going to say... I wouldn't say that that doesn't... That doesn't well, yeah, right. so, yeah, of course, of course. So how would you think about that in terms of the unconscious? What would you, what would you say? Well, I think... Um, that I, I guess I don't know that that's inconsistent with uh, 
a notion of um, of undermining because the idea that like someone is 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 cowardly and then is courageous and joins the rights that, that's a moralistic determination like that's not a that's that has um I don't Some know ontological yeah it's not really yeah exactly there's no there's no ontology there and there's no like like I, that but it's existential isn't it it's it's like that like like they've been it's I think it I think it's not just moral isn't it existential aren't you saying like if I've just like I've I've been given certain commands by mm-hmm. my social order and I've just capitulated to them mm-hmm. like in terms of existentialism that that just that I don't, is it a moral, I, I guess it's kind of moral, but it's also just an existent, like that's how I've responded to the demands of my existence. Mm-hmm. And then to, to, to reject them at mm-hmm. a certain point, then that's just a different existential path. So I guess the question is, so taking morality, I see why you're getting to morality, yeah. but taking morality out of it, mm-hmm. just seeing it in terms of this, this like direction for my existence. Well, right? does that, but I mean, I guess, does that not, involve um okay so here's i and maybe sartre doesn't say this but maybe this is a point where you and your future project could could marry the two (laughs) because in this example is that not a conscious undermining of like it's a lot safer to to capitulate to to continue to capitulate to the social order right and then you'll be alive easier yes you'll be alive a lot easier but then you know this is the right of course the difference between like surviving and, and living Right. Right. Um, right. 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 Um, and yeah, I, so I guess I don't. So, s- so that so, that to me seems to be kosher with with um, with with uh, with the unconscious. But I mean, like, wouldn't wouldn't you then to like to push this forward? Like, um, I, I guess what I would what I would have a trouble with is that like someone. Uh, has the, the the totality of someone's existential change that like now this this person who was a coward is now completely brave that I don't right. think that I accept is is yeah. in and and that there's like you I I could really only accept this um, philosophically as um, we are because of the unconscious, we have a predilection toward decisions that create greater conflict, not those which resolve conflict and contradiction. Right. I think that's what I would say. Yeah, I accept that. But I, I just, I mean, how then, if you're, if you're just thinking in terms of the, I'm fascinated by this. I mean, it's an interesting <laughs> example, right? Because yeah. it does, it seems like the real point at which the two theories are at a, really at odds with each other mm. is this point of, like, I think the notion of a project, well, I think we can make it unconscious and then we can it, we can still think of an existential psychoanalysis in those terms, right? But mm-hmm. when you get to this moment of the shift of the change in project, then I think it's all, it gets a little dicey for psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. existentialism has no problem explaining that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like I just, like I, every, because for Sartre, at every moment I am free. Yeah, yeah. And so at every moment I can go, I can, I can completely revolutionize my entire being and become someone else. I mean, that's a... Do you think that he, sorry, do do you think that he thinks um, that to fully accept Freud is the acceptance that you, that one is a slave to the unconscious? And what do you think of that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think he thinks that. Okay. And and I guess, 
I don't think that, but mm-hmm. I am having a hard time. Like I, I thought I had a pretty good worked out <laughs> theory because I did. I thought, well, what if you just make the idea of the project unconscious? That was my whole idea. Yeah, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. And and I like the idea, you know, Freud has this idea of the choice of neurosis. Which is an and, un- unconscious choice. Which yeah. is an unconscious choice. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I liked, I, I, I'd like to equate that to the notion of an originary existential choice of project. I mm-hmm. think the two mm-hmm. line up pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. But then I think this problem that I've raised, this question of the, the, the moment where you change projects or that you totally break from your past, I think it's a much... I don't see how you think of that in psychoanalytic terms mm-hmm. other than other than you I mean I guess for psychoanalysis it's you have a breakdown with your like your your defenses crumble you have a, a you have anxiety emerges mm-hmm. and then that causes the change but I think mm-hmm. in a certain way doesn't the change always just bring you back to the fundamental structure of your desire your drive right mm-hmm. like and in, in, in your own unconscious that basic contradiction that defines it and the like there's no there's not a way in psychoanalysis i don't think to think of a movement mm-hmm. toward a different problem so right? do you think this is a limit for psychoanalysis and in, in that like there's not territory past this question that within the body of psychoanalytic thought that it illuminates or or, or and you need something maybe. else is that is that what, maybe. You would, what you're saying maybe Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't wonder what you think because I do I feel like this we certainly can avow that this happens. Yeah, of course. But but I think I don't know. Maybe the maybe it's true that just psychoanalysis is able like maybe it's right. Maybe these moments that we think of as political revolutions in our own psyche or or whatever mm-hmm. moral existential revolutions, they're really just you come you Gain it. You're just shifting your relationship to your own, your own basic drive, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. You're you're really not you're not fundamentally changing that. And I, I think I don't know. Maybe there's something. I don't know. I just think it's a. I I, I, I feel like you don't want to. Ex- I feel I so I feel like w- w- you don't want to accept that because that's like kind of cynical or at least uh, nihilistic almost, right? Like. Like, well, it's certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly, like, both on an individual level and on a societal level, it means, like, I, it's funny because I have a much easier time accepting it on a societal level. Mm-hmm. That, like, the whole point is just to, how do we reconcile ourselves to to certain, to, to the fact that society is going to be necessarily at some at some point undermining itself, mm-hmm. right? Like, that. that I think, I think you can think through a kind of politics that... Mm-hmm that is, is, is oriented in that way. And it's not, it, it seems, that seems to work. And I think you can even make it a, you know, that's why I'm resistant to this term progressive right, that right, we right. often come back to, but, yeah. but I think you can still work, you can think through an egalitarian politics mm-hmm. with an idea of solidarity that's oriented around the failure of the, of the social whole. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, that seems to me to be not that difficult to think through and I think it's actually I think psychoanalysis is conducive to thinking that kind of politics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but when it comes to like the trajectory of the individual mm. I don't I feel like it's much more like I like this notion that you know you followed this one path your whole life and you were you know and it was re- you were really on that path mm-hmm. and then something happened it wasn't just that you I don't know that you were 
you had an anxiety that brought you back to your original. No, that you actually like went in a different, you like formed a different, whole different way of going. And I don't think, I don't know, I don't think psychoanalysis allows for that. So you don't think the idea of like, um, like, because I, I, I think psycho, psychoanalysis is kosher with the notion of a radical act as, yeah. uh, or event as Bajou uh, would, would say. I, I, so you don't, but you think these are two, these are separate things. No, I think that's right. But 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 Badu on the notion of event, he's not psychoanalytic. No, of course, yeah. But I think it. Yeah, I, I think it is psychoanalytic. I guess that would be that be my my point. Like, cause I I think that like and this and not to I don't I don't want to be like um, one of the one of the things that I think is like um, uh, like a hallmark of sophistry is when you just like you're not talking about one point anymore. You just like keep talking about other people. Oh, but what about this guy? What about? And so I hate that I'm kind of about to do this, but like. Um, this is the, uh, of course it goes back to, um, to, uh, to Foucault, um, and that like the, you know, this, um, you know, for Foucault, the moment that you think you're outside of power is the moment that you're most caught up in it. Right. He, right. Okay. Um, and then as I always like to say late in his life, he tries to, to kind of change that idea a little bit and allow for the radical act through Parisia, uh, to, to exist the, the, the speech act. Um, right. But I, and I think that um, because of the because of the real and because of the unconscious, because of uh, like psychoanalysis as a body of thought that is premised on these points where you exceed yourself. <laughs> when I said the cure earlier, as a, just yeah. a, as a lame lame example, um, the, the stuff like it, it's premised on 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 privileging that and bringing that um, not just into discourse, but as that which like. Fund, like fundamentally uh, uh, changes and alerts us to what is really at stake in a given uh, in a given discourse in a in a, in a given setting uh, for a person. I think because it's it's premised on these moments, these moments of break, that it allows yeah. for radicality to emerge. That's that's why I think that it can. That's why I think it can work for the problem that that you're identifying. But if well, what I you, think yeah. Well, so yeah, I, I, I want you to respond. Finish. In a yeah. yeah, in a sure. second. Which is, but if what you're saying is that, like, again, if the point is that it's not that there is a limit to how. So, like, have a slip of the tongue is not a fundamental shift in character. If that's sort of what you're what you're getting at, and in psychoanalysis is not equal to accounting for that, then I actually think that might be a good thing because going back to our uh, conversation about psychoanalysis and capitalism is like, that's exact like what capitalism does. And, you know, Slavoj, a lot of people have said this, that it always adjusts for the problem and its path. And maybe that's a good thing that separates psychoanalysis from capitalism, as we talked about back then, is that it cannot and that there is a a hard line because it's consistent with other ideas in the field that there is there, there is this there is this wall uh and that it needs to be exceeded and that's how you understand the subject and psychoanalysis so anyway so your response yeah i like that i mean i think i i really like this notion that it's the that psychoanalysis allows us to be attentive to the ruptures or the cuts mm-hmm. or the moments of of disjunction where we can then act, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So I think, like, think that's one way in which psychoanalysis and existentialism are really aligned. Because you know, Sartre has this idea that there's no situation that can produce a change in 
subjectivity. So mm-hmm. that like no matter what, how oppressive the situation, whatever, it has to come from your own act. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. But it, but I think there are moments of, of, of crisis where you're out of joint with yourself even more, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're, or the social situation is becomes increasingly that the rift it becomes evident mm-hmm. the, the the non-self-identity of the society or your own non-self-identity become increasingly evident and that's the point at which you can which the act can can interject more more, more readily i think that so i i'm totally on that i totally buy that i guess mike and i think i mean you, you phrased it rightly i think so i think you're right that there's something to be said for not moving like that psychoanalysis doesn't privilege of moving on in a new direction but mm-hmm. I guess that that you can't it's only I think the idea of and I guess it's how you figure it's how you figure unconscious and how you figure drive right if, like is, if drive is just this fundamental structure of my subjectivity mm-hmm. and that's unconscious mm-hmm. uh, then all that that's going to inform my subjectivity no matter what I do so even yeah. if I, I and I think so yeah. So even if I break out in a completely new way, it's gonna. I'm never gonna break out of that fundamental structure. And so, mm-hmm. the act doesn't the act isn't the psychoanalytic act always an act that brings me back to a recognition of of my drive, rather than I'm I'm almost like I'm almost breaking from the illusion. And this is why I think you think it's anti-capitalist, mm-hmm. like I do. You're breaking from the illusion of a different object that would free me from this fundamental contradiction that mm-hmm. is my drive. Like that's yeah. my basic. I like I have a basic problem, mm-hmm. and no matter what object I find, I'm still going to have that basic problem. And I, I mean, I think you could read the the this resistance fighter that I uh, idolized in the beginning, like the, <laughs> yeah, right, that right. or idealized. Yeah, yeah, that that I think you could read that like when this person was a conformist, they were hiding from their fundamental drive. And there's a way in which, I mean, this would be maybe my way of wanting to read it. Mm-hmm. And when they became a resistance fighter, maybe they're confronting this fundamental uh, aspect of them. So this mm-hmm. is this basis of them, this foundation of themselves, which is their drive, right? So I think, I mean, that would be the way I think you'd have to think it, but it, but it, it still is true that there's not a, that there's, you can't, there's no, I think there's no way for psych. I mean, this, there's no way for psychoanalysis to envision a completely the germination of some break that then creates something totally new, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For the individual psyche, yeah. And I think yeah. that's why Bedou, mm-hmm. I think for him, event means it's a, and I, I think he's Sartrean in this idea that event means the break that creates something totally new and unforeseen. In the prior situation, can I ask? And a I don't think yeah. at this point. Do you yeah. think that Baju and Sart on this point will regard what psychoanalysis has to say about the unconscious and the drive as like installing God in each person, in the sense that it just like no matter what happens, it just explains you. Like it just yeah. ha- has this this unlimited explanatory power. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I think it's right. But the problem is that don't they both have to come up with I just think that they 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 neither of them mm-hmm. can have a properly 
unconscious a notion no of exactly that, that yeah i'm glad you unconscious. said that. yeah that no yeah. that because that's completely the limit that's the limit we've been talking about the limit of psychoanalysis in this equation but like the the more primary one is that like i mean and to bring foucault back like foucault has this problem with parisia is that like if you if you think to think that all choice is is, is free which is a very well, not, maybe that that's a that's not a good paraphrase of of Sartre here, but that's a quite a neoliberal capitalist it, notion. Well, it's a liberal position, yeah, right? Yeah, right. it yeah. is true. Um, true. But to think that that you you have to believe that like every like the the choice that you're making is always the um, is always the one toward freedom, and that it like it is never consciously you think that you're freeing yourself, but actually you're finding a new way to um, you know go back to. to to, to some, you're, you think that you're freeing yourself, but really the drive is just going to enjoy more. I guess I put it. I right. Put because, it well, I mean, I think the problem with psych, the problem with existentialism again is that I think you're hitting it is that the very choices are laid out for me. Like yeah. that's what it can't take. It can't really correctly take stock of. And I think that's what psychoanalysis does take stock of. So it like, I think like even the, even my example of the resistance fighter versus the conformist like mm-hmm. that, those choices are still laid out for you by the society itself. So you're still, you're like in, in that sense, consciousness is caught much more in it's, it's in the trap of, 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 heteronomy or conformity mm. much more than the unconscious is because mm-hmm. the un because mm-hmm. isn't the, doesn't the unconscious insofar as it 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 like this mo- i think you you hit on it earlier and i this is we both think that this is the great aspect of the unconscious that it destroys my own self-interest yeah. right like mm-hmm. that and isn't that the real moment of freedom like isn't yes. that yeah. so i think that that and see that's where i think if you're, if we're going to form a notion of an existential psychoanalysis, mm-hmm. its freedom has to be in precisely in the destruction of what serves both my self-interest and the self-interest of the society, because that's the thing that because it's the self-interest that really holds us. Mm-hmm. It, it's how the society holds us down, right? Like, mm-hmm. like every every time we conform, it's always put out as this is in your self-interest to do so. Right, and so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's only by this unconscious act that undermines our self-interest that we really taste what I would call actual authentic freedom. Mm. That's very interesting, and I think that's that's an important point at this at this um, at this moment in the conversation. Because if for Sartre, and I guess for Baju uh, a little bit on this point, and certainly for for Foucault and others, just to name the people that we've talked about uh, in the last several minutes, um, the and actually, your your uh, your own um, initial idea of what psychoanalysis was and what what Freud was all about is that like right. if you think what it does is it gives answers to to phenomenon and it answers everything with like oh that's the unconscious or like oh that's the that's the drive then it's then it is then it's then it's religion and you just you've swapped terms and you you right. have the, right. the 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 mythology stories are are just different but if you it's on this axis that it like it needs to be turned toward what psychoanalysis does is it confronts you with questions always and I think new questions and so that's uh, now maybe it doesn't comp- it doesn't allow for um, like th- the movement completely out of oneself but then I don't know that I I don't know that I buy that premise that you're ever like completely out of 
um, yourself despite right. material right. circumstances right. being different. Right. No, I think that's right. Like, I think, I mean, this ultimately, I was kind of playing through this as a thought experiment, oh, but yeah, ultimately this, this was, is my position. I agree with you that, that you really don't get out of this fundamental, like your drug. I think what psychoanalysis calls drive, I would just say your foundational contradiction. Like those sure. two things yeah. are the, are the same. They're just different neurant names for the same thing. And I think you don't ever get out of that. Yeah. And I do think that I like this idea that that, that the articulation of that precisely mm-hmm. as a problem or as a question is freedom mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's the point at which you, because the society, like it tell like say I get some social demand, whatever, right? Like you have mm-hmm. to do whatever. Like the, my own drive is already a rejection of that mm-hmm. because it's not, it's how I, I, my very way of processing that, even when I try to conform to it, mm-hmm. I'm not conforming to it in the correct way, right? So I'm all with my, there's always a touch of freedom in my, in my reaction to it. So I, I'm, I guess I'm tempted to say totally conscious art that it's own that every conscious act that I undertake mm-hmm. is an unfree heteronymous act. Mm-hmm. And every moment at which the unconscious is acting in me, is free. Mm-hmm. Even when, even though, even though I know what you're going to say, yeah. like, wow, superego is unconscious. <laughs> right, 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 right. And that can't be, but I want to say even then, mm. even then, because the moments at which I'm, I, I, because, okay, say I, say superego forces me to, to follow the law in some, like I, I, just in a, in just a, stupid one like I have all these obsessive rituals I do Mm -hmm. right like so so I have to tick my when I'm walking through uh, sidewalks I have to never go on the line right Mm -hmm. like so so that little super egoic ritual like my what's part of it is obviously part of it is I'm conscious because I just related it to you but Mm -hmm. but and that's part is the conscious part is completely conformist but the enjoyment that I get from that Mm Isn't that already a, that's an index of my freedom, I think in some sense. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty good. Like, well, I mean, that's the, 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 um, I mean, isn't that the, the, the other side of the, like, you know, the super egoic, uh, injunction to enjoy is in, in that, what, what do what do you end up enjoying is that you're enjoying that you're not enjoying enough. Right. Right. Maybe that's that's tricksy, but I mean, it's totally, I I think that that's consonant with what, um, psychoanalysis has to has to say and i mean i think that's the you know um yeah you have to you have to embrace that 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 um i i think or or at least uh be willing to orient yourself toward that um that pang that contradictory sort of feeling that sort of um you know i don't know what would, what would psychoanalysis say under capitalism live for buyer's remorse is that, right, you know, right. like that. Right. That's that's where you're. That's where you're free. So it's sort of con- it's sort of contra yeah. that um that that Fight Club, uh, doxa right. That like when you own things, the things start owning you. It's right. it's like no, it's only through that that you 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 actually can can own enjoyment if 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 you could say such a thing. Right. If you could recognize that would be the key though to yeah. recognize yeah. that buyer's remorse as like the real enjoyment of yeah. Of the car, right? Yeah, like, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the yeah. that's the only way you enjoy the car. It's not that like, oh well, I own <laughs> this thing now. I can get it painted. I can get new rims. I can do no. The only way is that you can enjoy it is through that like, through the right. remorse that you even got in the first place, and right. that so is and that okay. So the, obviously that 
is a moment where I think Sartre would say you are most unfree. And I think that uh, this most is, unfree. Yeah, yeah. And that this right. would be our claim is that like, no, the opposite. Yeah. I really like that. I mean, it does. I do think that, I mean, it, I think that that, I don't know. Do you, are you, do you buying that? That this notion that the unconscious is actually the source of freedom, not consciousness. I, th- I do, you, do you like that? Yeah, idea I find it. Well, I find it. Here's what I, I like about it is that it, um, it put it, it does push us away. It pushes us away from I, I think Sartre's impulse, which is what his system leads him logically toward. Is like we need to reject these things. And like yes, obviously, like this is the this is the podcast fantasy of the alt right educators that are always railing against capitalism. So we're absolutely totally saying that. But there is this thing where that it is because it's like because it's bad for you <laughs> that that is what enables the enjoyment and another and and I think that's the um that's always the struggle I mean this is uh, Jameson avows the struggle in his uh writings on utopia is that like you have to find a way how how does uh you know how does jouissance and contradiction and like conflict continue in a utopian uh right. environment that and and that's the right question to to think yeah. through that's the right problem and I think that um it would have been it would have been nice if if Sartre like moved through that rather than the position of just rejection because I'd have been interested to, to to read what he would have to say on that point that like yeah, I mean, how do you a- continue the conflict sorry how do you continue the conflict um, in 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 the new rather than just relying on the, the I mean, again maybe this is unfair but like relying on the 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 um, the the revolt, the act of revolt, because revolution is like this fundamental change. Um, and revolt is like the, the, the one-time thing I'm sort of cribbing from something Henry Cripps is working on it. Now I've name dropped a shitload of people. So what are you, what are you going to yeah, say? That's good. No, yeah. I, I like that a lot. Like I think that, you know, revolt, I, th- it's funny because revolt is the, you know, um, so, so Camus in the, in the 19, late 1950s, maybe 55, um, writes this, book L'homme Revolté like the mm-hmm. and it's translated in English as the rebel mm-hmm. and then um, Sartre doesn't review so Le Temps Moderne is, is Sartre's the journal by the way is now defunct but um, <laughs> after Claude Landsman just died last year um, or maybe this year um, he was 99 or something amazing. Oh, wow. but um, and he had done the editorial ship all the way until he died um, it's crazy huh yeah. but but anyway so, so Sartre, Sartre Forms out the review, doesn't review Camus' book himself, and this mm-hmm. guy Francis Johnson um, reviews it and just savages it. Mm-hmm. And then Camus writes this terrible response back to mm-hmm. Le Thomas Darren that's where they publish, and then Sartre writes his own thing like I didn't want to do it, but I had mm-hmm. to. And then so so it's a, so the whole point is existentialism, at least Sartre's version, is all about condemning this guy. Camus, who writes just about revolt, right? Mm-hmm. Like revolt is never enough. Just like you just said, yeah. we have to have full revolution. Mm-hmm. And revolt is, I think Sartre was kind of saying, revolt is hysterical. Yeah, it's hysterical. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hysterical. Con- but, yeah, you, when but, you revolt, you constantly need more revolts, right? Like that's right. Yeah. You need more revolts, and yeah. you need the thing you're revolting against, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, so, that's his position. But isn't Sartre and existentialism also? committed to revolt like I think I think that's the I think 
because of its failure to take stock of the unconscious, it had like it's it it is always negating. Like for him, freedom is negating, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that there's something of this incessant revolt in Sart- the Sartrean notion of freedom. That's that. So I think, in other words, my point is that he attacks Camus for what is his own secret sin. You know, we all do yeah, that. Yeah, that's funny. Like yeah, we yeah. get the most yeah. vehemently upset. This is a, Sart- a Freudian point. That we, mm-hmm. uh, the mar- narcissism of small differences. We get the most vehemently upset when something is too proximate to us and it's sin. And I think mm-hmm. that's what, so I think that's the problem with, with existentialists freedom is that it, it really is a freedom of negativity mm-hmm. and that it, it fails to see how, and I think this is what's great about this notion of unconscious or psychoanalytic unconscious freedom mm-hmm. is that it it provides its own, like it is, it's the negation of itself, right? Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. the thing, it's both the negative and it's the thing itself. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's not this, I need this external thing to constantly be negating. Right. Instead, it's I'm negating. I'm negating the subject itself. Like it's the yeah. subject negating itself. That's what unconscious is, right? Right, right. Because that's the that's the gambit. Is not that <clears throat> like you don't you don't need um, capitalism to have the psychoanalytic subject. The psychoanalytic subject exists in any any like, any system. social configuration. Yeah, right? yeah, and and maybe. Maybe the existential subject only exists in the capitalist system. Is that, is that well, fair? Well, that's an interesting, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, well, it's interesting because they, like, like Pascal is kind of a proto existential. You know, there's mm-hmm. all these figures, but maybe they're all still modern figures of modern capitalism. Mm-hmm. Like, there aren't any, are there any Greek <laughs> existentialists? Or is, you know. I, I, maybe Foucault would argue that Socrates was. I, I yeah, think I think I, maybe. Yeah, 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 maybe. Or, or maybe. I mean, I don't know if you. Depends on how you think of it, because I think there's a way to say something like Taoism is already a kind of existentialist mm-hmm. philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's seeing. Like, isn't it about negating? Like yeah. negating any positive and seeing oneself as of as seeing oneself as just part of the. The, the way right right, like, right. but then like isn't that again for, for psychoanalysis and like a lot of i mean i think slavoj has written the most convincingly on this point yeah. is that like the issue there is that just is um that ends up being a, a conflict and contradiction free way of uh of, of thinking right. about the the subject and 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 that that has like this like the you know the smooth and and kind of like frictionless um Living that uh, capital like wants you to 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 have for yourself. No, I agree with that, but I, I again, I guess, I guess that's why it's not really existentialist either. Yeah. So I, maybe yeah. you're right that there's a way in which the existential problematic is only a problematic for. Well, what about Augustine? I mean, isn't he like you? You're a great champion of. <laughs> I am. Yes, Augustine. that's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, isn't yeah. Dun- I mean, you're the one who said the church went awry when it took Thomas over. Augustine. Augustine, that's right. right. I said that yeah. to you in an email, and you, you know, what? I'm really, yeah. I'm happy to hear you say that back to me because we never talked about that, and I thought, ah, oh, maybe he thought that was stupid. No, <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was genius. I, although I would say that I think that I never say the word genius, so that, that this was a slip. Even <laughs> that's funny. Um, but, but Thank you. I think, I think you're unconscious. 
But I think that because um, you know I have these friends who I mean they're not really good friends. Cause they wouldn't be if they did this, <laughs> Let's but, talk about them but, in public. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, but but they, they they use the terms brilliant and genius oh, to yeah. defi- to talk about people all the time, mm-hmm. and I'm like mm-hmm. those terms should be reserved pretty. For Da Vinci, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not many living people get those terms applied Mm -hmm. to them. Anyway, um, but I do, I loved that point. But I wondered if you thought, Mm -hmm. and this is a question about existentialism, Mm -hmm. you know, further. Like would it have been possible to base the church on Augustine? Because, Mm -hmm. precisely because he's such an existentialist writer. You know, like that's interesting. Whereas Thomas is much more of a, a system guy, right? Like yeah. it's about. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, and that's why. Yeah, I mean, because the, the the way the way of Aquinas is kind of relevant for us. The way of Aquinas basically sets up the university, you know, as right, we right, as we as right. we know it right. as we know it now. Um, that's interesting. Well, it's an interesting case of where I mean, this is a, a Lacanian far afield, but like is. Aquinas master's discourse or university discourse like that's a, because of course <laughs> yeah, the yeah, role yeah. of God means it's the master's discourse but right, you're right the, the systematic nature of everything where everything fits is sort of university, university discourse, discourse. Anyway. Yeah, yeah no that's a great question well so I like Augustine as the um, the exception to my well and this was just a question that I, I think our conversation led me uh, towards so I'm not going to stake my name to it but it, it's um, I think that it's certainly much uh I think it's certainly arguable in the text of Sartre to say that he that his his notion of um, existentialism and the and the subject under existentialism requires capitalism. I think that that's okay. I think you can argue that one. I think one could argue that. Um, okay. I but I so then you ask the question: Is there someone before capital and uh, and is it Augustine? And that really really nicely challenges that that position. Um, I want to say. Yeah, I want to say that he. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly an existentialist. Absolutely. Right? I mean, the, the yeah. Confessions is the trajectory of a of an existential crisis, right. um, and I guess the and God doesn't really. I mean, it is true that he sustains the crisis even after he finds God, right? Like yeah. It's, yeah. Like God isn't really the name for all the answers for Augustine. No, like it's, I think it, he's it produ- well. It's it's interesting, like. Be, you're right, because there is this great. I don't know where he says this. It might be in uh, De Doctrina Christiana. I, I don't know, or of, on Christian doctrine. I think that's the that's the English translation of it. Is he where he he writes about how the way that the way that one needs to perform exegesis, the way that one needs to read the Bible, is to constantly is like if you find a contradiction, you have to sew it up. Like that's your that's your. So on the one hand, that's um, a, a, a flight from contradiction but what's really right. really great is that and this is part of why the church i think rejected him is that it, he's acknowledging that there are contradictions that there are in contradictions, biblical text. Yeah. so he's actually in this way that he tells you to like sew up the inconsistencies he's designated a way to find them right and and, and right. to and to find the, the points of break and so i guess the um the What's the what's the difference? But the difference between so what's the difference between uh, Augustine and and uh, and Sartre is that like Sartre wants to to find those points of break to overturn the system and that like you know Augustine is it, like you find the points of break and it's your job to like prop it up because this is like right, this is the right. best system that that, that we've got. 
Um, but there's still the recognition of the fragility of the system. Absolutely. And its, and, and its inherent contradictions, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 that's, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. interesting, Todd. I hadn't thought yeah. about, I hadn't, I don't think that I had thought about, because um, Augustine, uh, so if you're, if your first, your first theolo- theoretical love was, um, uh, was uh, existentialism, my trajectory, weirdly, I think it started with Augustine and then it went to queer theory and then, oh wow, yeah, and then, toward um to psychoanalysis um well well yeah. isn't queer theory so i i think it's funny because i read augustine at a very young age too i read thomas merton and augustine together <laughs> that was really important for me but i think that um i think queer theory is very close to existentialism right like it's like think about think about mari rudy's book ethics of opting out yeah, right? like yeah, that yeah. that and, and even lee edelman's no future. Like those are very, very heavily existential positions. I think they want to take up and it's all Mm -hmm. about rebellion, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's Mm -hmm. about ensconcing the no into the, into the, into the heart of an ethic. Mm -hmm. Right. Then I think. Yeah. I mean like finding the, uh, yeah, I mean like certainly, I mean, I, I want, I want to try to find a way, um, like in, uh, let's see, in a way that is kosher to how, because what Mari does in that book is is like so elegant. Is she tries to find the uh, the points of uh, agreement from the, between the like Lee and Halberstam, right? Who right, like right. these these <clears throat> these diametrically opposed figures. But like I, I'm I'm also wondering if there's if if you could even do the the same thing with like. Um, like even like uh, Stockton's idea of like the queer child is in as an attempt to recognize the um, I I think maybe I don't know maybe I don't want to I don't want to charge her with like the uh, the crime of Augustine but I mean like the like I think what she finds is like how um, the like the family setup and it has, has disintegrated and that like, right. we, like the, the, she, she looks for the, the queer children, even in, in spaces that we would like think to find like strict, like heteronormativity. Um, right. and maybe, maybe the only, like, I don't want to say, I don't know. But anyway, maybe the error that presents itself, especially in the framework of this conversation of that project is it just ends up doing the sort of like, uh, Augustinian like exige- uh, stitching up. Yeah, you just you stitch it up to like, and then like everything is is queer and like we talked about this before. And I mean, like that that ends up being sort of a, a that's a big question for for queer theory is that like you know if you, if if you if there are limitless objects in uh you know in in, in heteronormativity that you can find as queer then like then everything what is, is queer and then that, be- that becomes kind of an issue. And it's a, yeah. it's a, pro- a proactive and, and important question I think uh, for a scholarly interest. right. No, I think it, but I think it is an interesting, like queer theory seems to be to one of these contemporary movements that is on the cusp of either existentialism or psychoanalysis, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think, I mean, Mari, I, I never criticize Mari because I think she's almost always right, but, uh, I, I mean, she's a little bit like she wants to synthesize things that, that I maybe sometimes would want to say are separate, but I do think she's, she's, I like this idea of, of um, this radical no to the to the social constraint, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm, I think that mm-hmm. like yeah. and she aligns that. But what's interesting is I think she's trying to do kind of in a certain way what I was trying to say about this marriage of existentialism and psychoanalysis because she locates the no to the to social constraint within 
the subject's own desire, right? Yeah. The structure yeah. of its unconscious desire. And so I think that that's, I think that's the, that maybe is the, is one of the really important ways to think of the, of the conjunction between psychoanalysis and existentialism is to think like, look, the thing that's this, this social imperative that's, that's, that's telling you to follow your own good, to follow your own interests, to seek mm-hmm. your own good and to, and to fit in with a certain societal norm, like that is running in contrast to your basic drive or your desire, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, so th- then the existential act becomes a way of, the free act becomes a way of, of holding fast in mm-hmm. a certain sense to your own foundational, your, your drive in, in the face of that call for, you know, that demand for a certain kind of Mm. constraint or conformity, right? This is interesting to me, and I think that we should do a further um, podcast on this. I had suggested in, in, I don't know if this was on air or off air, that that we um, talk about um, like some like absolutely like like fundamental question. I mean, that's what this, this podcast has been like, like fundamental questions that right. two opposed, uh, you know, uh, b- bodies of thought are like are thinking through and like where are the points of overlap, where are the points of break, right? Um, we try to do this with, and especially in these kinds of episodes, the psychoanalysis and. Yeah. Um, but I think that it, um, it, it'd be further like important to, to kind of designate like some of these ideas that you could bring a whole host of, um, of philosophers and theorists together and be like, this is how we can neatly um, like not not uh, simplify their thought, but to bring bring people together on one question and then it provides like a nice entry point for the uninitiated or even like a new entry point for people who know a lot. So, okay, what am I talking about? Like in a previous episode, I think I talked about like dividing um, philosophers along a line of what do they think of an original? Like do, do, do they, do, does your philosophy believe in the notion of an original or do you believe in the copy? And then after that, that's it. That look at original and copy. And then what do you make of that? And that is a is a way to go through um, and uh, acquaint yourself with like a lot of different thinkers. And part of the reason why I'm thinking about this is I, I got a an email from a listener um, not that long ago who said that um, for her when she's reading uh, Lacan and then like and like if Lacan references uh, Aristotle, well, okay, well now she has to know all of Aristotle. And then it's like, or, or, and then if like, you know, Marx references Hegel, well, now she has to know all of Hegel. And this is how, and, and I, it was, it stuck with me after when I read that, because that, that's how, that's how I, um, used to, to, to think that like, yeah, that like you, like one has to know, like it, like the goal should be, I I mean, I, I think comprehensive knowledge of philosophy is a great goal, but it need not be the requirement to say that you know anything. And, and it's, 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 um, like identifying, um, that which cuts through like a, like a wide body of, of, of thinkers and thought. Like, I think that that should, is, is a little bit more pressing of a theoretical project. And so now I'm coming back to what we're talking about today. Do you think that, this fundamental question of like, do you like conscious choice, unconscious choice, like, like, you know, like does your, do you as a theorist, and I'm not asking you, but I mean like this is the, the, the rhetorical 
or general right. question. Like, do you believe in this in this split and what do you make of it? And that's how you can put people on different sides of it. And like, I think that like, it, it's a question that divides, as you just brought up, it's a question that I think divides queer theory. It's a question that divides existentialism. It's a question that is certainly uh, divides different, um, different kinds of uh, psychoanalysis. Like, I mean, like right, right, object, right. object relation psychoanalysis or something like that too. Right. I think, you it, don't you think that the whole, like Freud, wasn't he constantly, on guard against anybody that tried to smuggle in some notion of accepting of free choice into yeah. their psychoanalysis, yes. and that's and he was he was throwing them out basically, yeah. right? And I think that's really true that he was, and because I think I mean like even Foucault, because even once you think of I, I'm tempted to say once you theorize things in terms of power yeah you've already gone over to the I'm on the side of this is all part of a conscious yeah. arrangement yeah yeah I think so you know yeah. rather than rather than the unconscious is at work because even if you think that it's determined mm-hmm. you still think it's determined through consciousness right yeah. like mm-hmm. like I think these I think that the like the the, the idea that you know like that I don't know say Trump is divided is is driven by a lust for power. power right? Right. Even lust is a funny word. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a drive for power, or even that's a funny word. So that's even if word, some yeah. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, so it's hard to avoid a psychoanalytic word. How about I was gonna zest? Say a, <laughs> zest, there we go. Yeah. Um, that, that, that Trump is driven by a zest for power. Even mm-hmm. that doesn't really, doesn't, does that properly, I mean, I don't think that that touches on the unconscious, right? Like no. that's that all fits within... Like he consciously wants power, and that's yeah. what he's trying to do, and that's what—that's the whole name of the game. For he's him. gathering think, infinity stones, right? Like as I like to say, right, like it, right, you, you right, make, right, you make right, someone a yeah, superhero. That's a better villain. example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although then, what he does with the infinity stones suggests that there's an unconscious because he destroys half the world, right? <laughs> half the universe. But that was the conscious project. I, right, it was. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, I guess you're right. It doesn't fit. It doesn't, <laughs> there's no room for unconscious. It wasn't like, like it would have been like if there was. I mean, you know. Uh, th- that might have been an interesting uh, rewrite. Was there a way that you know? Oh, yeah. Thanos thought this would this would be the outcome, but like the you, you know because it's whatever. It's like science fiction and fantasy. You can make up whatever shit you want. Like they right. they the the stones interact with what it is that you truly desire. Right? You could see this in a Hollywood film, and so like you get the you get the fifty percent of all life thing, but then you have to take some there's some other problem with it. Like, like you have to lose something and this kind of never happens in the, in the superhero movies. Right. It's one of the right. one of sort of the issues right. of the genre. Right. All, right. Anyway, but yeah, no, I wish, but I also wish that those films would have the villain trying to do something that we think is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that is my main thing that I, I wish for, right? Like that, yeah. that Thanos was actually <laughs> trying to save the world. I mean, I guess there's a little bit, this happens in civil war, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're trying to do something good and then it, it backfires, but I wish I want the villain to be really driven to do something that we think of as good, and then, and yeah. then that becomes the source of the problem. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. then, I mean, yeah. that's that really touches on the that's how the unconscious works. Like, right? Like it it comes as this accompaniment mm. to our like like I don't think like that's a problem with all these uh, superhero films is that the the. The, the existential project of the of the villain is always so villainous. Right? Like it's, ne- it's <laughs> well, it never gets back to the moralistic thing. It's always bad morals. Yeah. Like it's it's, it's just yeah. bad morals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. 
that like I don't I think that the the notion of an existential choice because I think in their mind they think they're trying to accomplish something good and it'd be nice if that was a that was portrayed and then we could see the way in which the unconscious undermined it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's I think that's interesting. I I and I, and I think it's an interesting point to sort of bring the close of our, our conversation to. So I want to ask you this. Um, so you, the thinker of existentialism and psychoanalysis together, um, how in, uh, briefly is, is this, is this a line that cannot be crossed? This unconscious choice, mm. conscious choice is the, is this, yeah. is this, the, is this the divide? Like they're in there and there's there, this, you can think there are certain aspects of the two projects that you can think together and we sort of laid some of them out, but yeah. the bulk of this has been thinking through this problematic. So do you think this is irreconcilable? I do, but I think that you can in, I think you can bring the notion of an unconscious freedom into the existential project uh-huh. because I do fundamentally think that psychoanalysis is itself an existential project, mm, right? Like I think it's, nice. it's itself about trying to discover what is the real nature of your existence, your own singular existence. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's what you're trying to discover through psychoanalysis. And so I think that, that, that the unconscious really, the notion of an unconscious choice, unconscious freedom really helps existentialism. But I think, as you're saying, I don't think any real existentialist thinkers would accept that. I mean, I think it's yeah. going to be a very heterodox kind of existentialism. Yeah. No, no, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I, I think I, I, I think I, I find really interesting the claim that, um, that uh, contrary to what Sartre argued, that um, existentialism can, can accept uh, psychoanalysis, but psychoanalysis cannot accept existentialism to the letter of the way that it is articulated by Sartre. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. It's the, right. the way the way forward is to see psychoanalysis as itself an existential project, but one that designates a different set of questions. Uh, right. I I love that idea, and I think that the, so that's the real idea from Sartre that we import to psychoanalysis. I think this notion of the existential project, mm. but just that the project is unconscious, and mm-hmm. then part of what your part of what your life is, is mm-hmm. trying to uncover what your unconscious project is, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not given to you. It's, it's to be discovered. So I think that's part of like, if there is something like an encounter with the new, I mean, part of it is a discovering what, even discovering what my existential project has always been, even when I didn't know that I had one. So, mm. you know, that's, no. I really like that idea. No, that's good. I think that's nice. That's a, that's a good that's good. So, like, it's always good to find a a, a nice that's a, a conclusion that uh, that allows for uh, for for conflict, right? Like, that's the right, right, yeah, right, that, right. That contradiction. Right. Um, I do want to say though that you were going to make an announcement. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you. Um. So, um. Dur, 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 dur. Uh, my announcement. Uh, for uh, folks who um, uh, especially graduate students, I want to say this: who uh, are uh, thinking about uh, sending me. Uh, an email or want to try to contact me um, for whatever reason the search engine optimization of the University of Rhode Island is, a, is greater than that of Pomona College uh, and so I've been getting a lot I'm like six emails behind uh, from people contacting me in different sources um, my uh, Pomona College email is the best place to, to contact me I will eventually lose access to my URI email if you're sending me an email there um, I eventually will not not receive it, and you'll think I'm a jerk or something for not responding. Uh, 
and it's ryan.angley yeah pomona.edu yeah. yeah it's fine it's easier to find you i think or in, and find your email right i think it's the number one thing that comes yeah. yeah yeah but yeah. um but yes if that's the if that's the thing that you're thinking and also uh please please be patient this is a tough time of the year for me like i, I even have uh struggled to respond on time to my own students so this is the end of the semester right. and stuff so um if you have you know um uh like questions or requests for the for the uh for the podcast um that is the best place to contact me specifically and as i said um graduate students uh, are I'm, I'm welcome to to hear from from them i always the uk graduate students always apologize to me for for emailing me <laughs> because, for bothering you. because yeah because because we haven't said it on the podcast so like they don't know it's okay we're um and uh you uh u.s graduate students i don't I don't know. They don't apologize in the same way. That's been the yeah, like. That's fine. That's better. It, yeah, yeah. They so feel yeah. entitled. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So maybe yeah. yeah put put, they put the apology in the title of your email. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the lesson is, I think we're after Thanksgiving, so oh, yeah. it's uh, it's Christmas movies. So watch It's a Wonderful Life, oh, right? Like that's, that's the the great socialist uh, film by the great capitalist. Uh, the uh, great capitalist director. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right, over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd.